0: Welcome to the Westside Investors Network, Win your community of investing knowledge for
1: growth. This is the Real Estate Professionals Investing Podcast for real estate professionals
2: by real estate professionals. This show is focused on the next step in your career, investing. Thank you for listening. And please, if you like our content, rate us on your podcast provider. And now your hosts, AJ and Chris Shepard.
1: Hi, this is Chris Shepard. Just a disclaimer, The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are for educational purposes only. They should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any shares or securities, make or consider any investments, or take any other actions. Thank you and enjoy the show.
0: Today, we've got Jim Roman on the podcast. He is the director of the Business Owners Institute, a national trainer and business coach. He will talk about the five drivers that he teaches his clients and how to set realistic goals. He also shares about how he helps them achieve their goals in two to three years and how to identify the next step in the process for you to achieve your goals. So let's welcome Jim Roman. All right. Today we got Jim Roman here with us. He's the owner of Business Owners Institute. He's a business coach and a public speaker. So Jim, if you want to tell us, is there anything else I missed? You want to tell us a little bit more about yourself?
2: Sure. As you mentioned, I'm the owner of Business Owners Institute, a small coaching and consulting business here in Orlando, Florida, with clients throughout the United States. We specialize in helping going micro companies become million dollar companies while having a life. We work a lot with contractors, painting, plumbing, HVAC, because we find they struggle with bringing the business while getting the work done, as well as getting the work done and bringing the business in, as well as the real estate industry, and for the last six years, the property management industry.
0: Awesome. <laughs> well, Do you want to tell us a little bit about kind of like how you got into the property management industry and like, and doing coaching with, with those guys?
2: Sure. Years ago, as you know, I'm a national speaker and business coach, and I happened to be speaking for an association in Virginia. And the executive director of NARPM, the National Association of Residential Property Manager, happened to be in my event. And she said, I think I would love for you to come speak for our board. I spoke to the board on how to maximize their membership. And at the end of my presentation, one of their regional vice presidents said, oh, I'm having a problem with my chapters. And I said, chapters? You have chapters? And Gail goes, yeah, we have 60 chapters. I said, I used to run 65 chapters for BNI, Business Network International. And next thing you know it, I started doing leadership team training once a year for the last six years and helping them to maximize their membership, grow their chapters. And one day someone came up and said, hey, do you do any property management consulting or coaching? And I said, yes. And the rest is history. I find that a lot of times people in the property management industry don't have a life. And my purpose on the planet is to help people have a life because my dad passed away at a heart attack at age 63. And when he died, our restaurant died. And I think people are dying into business. And so if I can give them a life along the way, then I know I'm making a difference.
1: That's, I love that's awesome. that. The, uh, the journey is you know, just as important or more important than the destination. I am a big proponent of that as well. So, Jim, do you invest in real estate at all yourself or as far as that goes?
2: I currently don't, but I'm in the process of doing that next year. Coaching in the property management industry, I had one of my clients come over and he says, Jim, why don't you invest? And I said, well, you know, I'm scared to, et cetera, et cetera. He goes, you know, cash flow, man, you got you to gotta buy cash flow. <laughs> and he kept on just pounding me, cash flow, cash flow, cash flow is king. And I started thinking, I'm going, well, yeah, why don't I? I coach a lot of the, them in the industry. So it's funny, you asked that question just last week. One of my clients put on a seminar on how to invest in real estate, and I showed up to support them to learn it. And with everything that's going on in the world, I know there's going to be a lot of great opportunities next year. And so I will be buying, most likely a duplex, renting out the other side of it, getting a property manager to run it build up some more cash then rent out the second half and then go into my next property from there.
1: That is a great plan. That's part of the reason why we started this podcast is because we want to encourage mostly real estate professionals, it's the real estate professionals investment podcast and to take that plunge. And so it's awesome that you know you've got it got a solid plan in place and you're ready to take action. That's incredible. So When you're coaching, like, what do you you kind of usually start with, with a new client? Like, where where do you begin?
2: Well, the first thing is to find out what drives that particular person. We have five drivers that we have uncovered and discovered in the 20 years we've been doing this business. The first driver is why do people do what they do? What is their purpose and passion behind their profession? A lot of times when you ask somebody, why do they do what they do? They always say, oh, they make money. Well, beyond that, they go, what's beyond that? I think there's a lot beyond that. The most successful people I found in any industry, if they have a purpose and passion for their profession, they perform at higher levels. So that's the first driver. The second driver is where do you want to be beyond your business, your dreams and aspirations? When I ask people if your business is running without you, you had plenty of money, what would you do for fun? And the number one answer is, I don't know. The business has been running me. I haven't been running it. And so I don't know. And so finding out their driver to their dreams and aspirations, and that really makes a big difference. And you can see people's spirit lift. When you find out, get them to dream again, they start to lift. And so asking the five drivers questions specifically, why do you do what you do? Your purpose and passion. And where do you want to be beyond it? Your dreams and aspirations.
1: Yeah, definitely like digging into why is something we talk about a lot here too. Just you have to have a really strong why I know for me, my why is freedom. And like, I want to be able to be free to choose what I do with my time. And before we started, we were talking about the one thing team goal setting retreat and like just taking that day, day and a half really trying to figure out, you know, what what actually does drive me and I realized it is it is freedom. My dad, our dad, AJ and I have the same dad. <laughs> <We do>. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up, you know, and he was always a landlord, you know, sometimes like his life was really hard, but a majority of the time he got to enjoy reading US news and world reports while hanging out down by the pool, catching some rays. Well, I was either playing on the computer or working on my homework and he was just enjoying it. And I'm like, gosh, you know, I don't know if I want somebody else telling me what to do. So I completely agree. You got to start with why. Okay. And so that's where you begin. What's the next step?
2: The next step is asking the third driver was what do you want your business to do for you? What do you want it to do culturally, financially, and physically? A lot of times people don't think about what they want their business to look like in the future. One of my favorite books on the topic is E-Myth by Michael Gerber. And he talks about creating a business like a franchise. And actually, what is your ultimate aim with that business? And it's amazing. So often we think about today and what our business looks like, but we never talk about what it it looks like in the future. And if we're not looking towards the future, how do you know you achieve it? How do you know you don't surpass it? And so figuring out What that business would look like from people, processes, and profit perspective makes a big difference. And that's where we're really good with my background and working with a lot of different industries. I've figured out the operations side of it and getting the work done in a way that gives them the life that they want. So, what do you want from your business financially, physically, and culturally is the next step.
1: Yeah, AJ has been trying to get me to read E-Myth again. <laughs> what have you been taking away from it, AJ, on your, your latest read? on
0: EMyth or the my the other books that I've been reading.
1: Well you just e- read e-, e-, e Myth. Oh man,
0: <laughs> E Myth was probably like five books ago. But yeah, I mean it's it's definitely like Jim said, you know, build building something that's repeatable. Building something so that it lasts and that like it's you build out the processes so that it can be scalable and then you can move it and and, and build it up again, which you know is good.
2: I would add to that another book that complements it is built to sell by John Warlow. So I've gone through Michael Gerber's whole complete program to include his master series. And he never teaches you how to do it. He tells you what you need to do, but he never tells you how to. In fact, I was driving to a wine festival in Finger Lakes, New York, and I pulled over to the side of the road cause he finally was going to tell you how to do it. And he never tells you. And I'm like six hours later, you never told me what to do. <laughs> so I read John Warlow's, I think is one of the fastest books I read about built to sell. In fact, he actually knows Michael Gerber has been involved in Michael's work and it teaches you how to implement the principles so ultimately run a business not necessarily to sell it even though it's called built to sell it's really build it so it's sellable and what you need to do to make that happen so I love they're both great books to read complementarily.
0: yeah and it's both of them I think are like so that you, as an owner you can more it's easier for you to remove yourself from the day-to-day operations because if it's if it's built to sell it's gonna run better, smoother by itself. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Cool. But I, think, I don't think a lot of people aim to do that. You know, my dad, you know, he, he started a restaurant business out of necessity. He got laid off from the manufacturing industry twice. And the only job that we had, it was in Miami. We lived in Pennsylvania. He didn't want to move us. And so him and my mom started this restaurant business and that's it. He did it to be able to provide for his family. And I think a lot of times we get in the business by default, like a lot of people in the property management industry get in it by accident or realtors get into the business because they, they can make a lot of money with a little amount of work or not realize how hard it's going to be, but they don't think about ultimately the future. And if I think we took the time to do that, it would be more enjoyable and more aspirational achieving the goals we have.
1: Yeah, that reminds me a lot of Robert Kiyosaki's flow Quadrant. He talks about kind of that quadrant. You start out as an employee and then you can move over to self-employed and then you've got kind of the, the more ideal sections which would be business owner which what we've been talking about and then investor as well so i kind of love that the idea of of the quadrants stephen covey has his quadrants as well and you know they all they all kind of like fit together as like you've got your good two quadrants and then your bad two quadrants
2: <laughs> exactly <laughs>
1: Cool. So that's kind of the third driver. What are the fourth and the fifth drivers?
2: The fourth and fifth driver is when do you want that? When in the future do you want it? We call it your, your business maturity date. When do you want in the future where the business can run with you or without you choosing what you want to do, giving you that freedom that you talk about? And usually we recommend a date, you know, two to three years from now, no more than now. three to five years.
1: want it now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, most people set a ten-year goal, and I, I'll tell you, it's hard to set a ten-year goal when most people give up in five years or three years. And so we mm-hmm. we see two to three years, no more than three to five years. That you're picking a date. It's very similar to when you pick a deadline; you're more likely to achieve it. For example, we call it the vacation. And you're going on vacation, you get more done before vacation than any other time of the year right? Well, if you set a business maturity date for two to three years from now, you're going to push harder than you would 10 years from now. And so picking a date in the future that means something, maybe it's a birthday, an anniversary to when you started your company. We've had people say, when my kids go off to college, I want to be free to travel the world. And so I want my business to be able to fund that and and be able to run without that. And then the last driver is a waypoint or the next milestone. How you achieve your, your goals is very similar. How do you eat an elephant? You eat an elephant one bite at a time. How do you run a marathon one step at a time? How do you achieve your business goal? One waypoint or one milestone at a point. In other words, what do you need to do next? That one thing to take your business to the next level. Not the three to five things because that gets overwhelming, as you guys know. What's the next thing? Is it more profit? Better people, processes to free you up, or get a particular experience and take that one step, one waypoint, one bite at a time.
1: I like that. It reminds me of Traction. Traction's a great book. So, when you talk about that waypoint, or maybe to quote Brandon Turner, the minimum next step, what kind of time frame are you usually attaching to you know, those waypoints? And is that like a consistent amount time frame? Or is it something that you, you know, like are you working on something once a month or is it once a year or once a quarter?
2: So typically, how do we get to the waypoint? Because a lot of times people have, they're overachievers. There was a study in the University of Chicago many years ago that they studied successful people in goal setting and not so successful people with goal setting. And they found that successful people set realistic goals and unsuccessful people created lofty goals. They would say, I'm going to double my business in six months and give up, they're not even close, and and, and then quit. And so we say set realistic goals, and you can always update them as the year goes on. So when it comes to waypoints, we want to say, given where you are today, And where you want to be in the future. Say you're here today and you have, you know, 10 properties and you want to have 20 investment properties. Or you're doing $250,000 in your revenue and you want to do $300,000 in your revenue. What's the next step? And typically it's around profit, people, or processes. If it's around people, it's usually I need to hire more people is the next waypoint. Well, then the waypoint then breaks down into bite-sized pieces from there. Well, what do you need to do to hire someone? Well, I need a job description. I need a job post. I need the salary requirements. Then I have to have an onboarding process. And then I got to figure out what position I want to hire, when I want to hire, and then have the money to hire it. So you take that one waypoint of, I need to hire more people and break it down to more bite-sized pieces. And that could take sometimes, you know, weeks to months to a year, depending on the waypoint they're trying to achieve.
0: Yeah, that is great info. Well, so I'm going to kind of switch the conversation here a little bit. Like, so you're in business coaching and and that sort of stuff, but I know that you have, you kind of helped grow BNI quite a bit. Is that right?
2: That's correct. Yes.
0: Yeah. You kind of want to tell us a little bit about that story and, you know, kind of how that relates to your coaching now too?
2: Yeah, I would love to. So I got involved in BNI back in 1999. My claim to fame is growing from zero members to 1,600 members in just six short years. I also was able to start 20 chapters in one year to be the first and only area director to be inducted in the BNI Hall of Fame, and what I was able to do that was I built my circle of influence, I built my network. I didn't think of it at the time because it was a I was doing it to build my business and make a difference. The next thing you know, it I became Mr. Networker in in Virginia, and I was like, okay, I wasn't I set out to do that. And the interesting thing that happened is, you know, one of the questions you like to ask your guests is, you know, how did you get into the real estate industry? And in fact, it was BNI. So 20 years ago, <laughs> when I first got involved in BNI, i had the realtors usually are the number one profession in the referral groups, oh, right? Yeah. So the realtor is in all the groups, right? Then they get the mortgage person and the property casualty person in the group. And I learned really quickly that the realtors weren't making any money and they would come to me and say, I'm not making any money. So I started to study their chapter and I realized they had the wrong mix. See, a lot of times realtors will get a mortgage person, a property casualty and a closing attorney. Well, the problem with that is where do mortgage people get the referrals from? realtors. Where do property cash get their business from? Mortgage and realtors and so on and so on. So the referrals flow down and they don't flow up. And I knew real quickly, I need to make realtors money or they're not going to stay in my network. And that's really how I got into the business and how I was able to build 65 chapters in my time of doing that.
0: That's awesome. What sort of other businesses did you bring into the chapters that made them successful?
2: Sure. So helping out the realtors, I would figure out who knows people who are in transition or moving or something like that. So I would teach the realtors to get in there. Number one would be a moving company, a assistant living facility, a divorce attorney, and a painter. What percentage of people going through divorce are going to have to sell their house? At least 50%, right? And it's funny how many times I say that to realtors. They're like,
0: oh, I never thought about
2: that. Right? assistant living facilities, people moving into assistant living facilities, what percentage are going to eventually have to sell their house? 50% up towards 100%. And so now the referrals are flowing up while the referrals are flowing down and it creates that ecosystem, right? And so it's interesting. I taught the first realtor, then the second realtor, the 100 realtors later, I'm going, wow, I'm just repeating the same thing that no one's teaching them. Then I went on to mortgage industry, financial planners, contractors, figuring out, their target market, and more importantly, who also is going after the exact same target market and partnering up and go after them together. Yeah.
1: That is a ton of value to add. That's really, it's a great way to look at it. Like, I was in a group called LaTip, and probably, you're probably familiar with it. I am, yep. Essentially, it's the same idea, but, you know, I was in that group for three or four years, and. as the property manager, and it was extremely difficult to to get leads, and and I just had zero idea, but having you explain it this way makes a ton more sense, and I'm sure that they tried to explain it to me that way too, but I just didn't hear it the way that I did just now, so... <laughs> That's awesome info.
2: I don't think they teach it. I mean, I learned that from my mentors that, that taught me how to make, you know, industries money. They teach contact spheres, you know, your traditional people you do transactions with. It's, I call it a transaction power team, but you want a prospect power team, people who target the same prospecting people that you do. For example, I teach property managers how to, whether it's in LaTips, you know, BNI or other referral groups, who you ask for is who people see. For example, I would always say to people, you know, through a show of hands, how many people here know somebody who invests in real estate? And everybody knows somebody invests in real estate. But who here knows somebody who has three or more properties? How many people here know six or more properties? That would be a good referral for me because someone who has six to eight properties, it's starting to become a job and they don't want the job. They just want the income. And as a property manager, I can take over the job. They can keep the income. And inevitably, if you know somebody who has six to eight properties, which is usually the investment advisor, the CPA and the close personal friend, that's how you're going to get referrals by spotting that opportunity that there's some pain that you can solve in that example.
0: Yeah. I don't think that we've actually like targeted those for our actual property management company as referrals. So that is a a good little nugget right there. I appreciate it. Well, so as you were going through and growing this, these, these BNI chapters, like what, like what were some of the pains and struggles in, in growing? I mean, I know that you said, you know, we, we sort of talked about like, to sell and so you're telling us that these chapters you know it was kind of like a repeatable thing but like certainly like the magnitude of of all that there had to be some challenges with that
2: Oh, yes. So funny story. So when you go to director training, they'd you that, that if you get the 20 chapters, the director makes money. So I got the 20 chapters, as I mentioned, and I went to my, my, my mentor boss and I said, hey, I'm not making any money. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, well, they said at training that if you have 20 chapters, you make money. He goes, no, the executive director makes money. What do you mean? He goes, I make money if you have 20 chapters. And I'm like, well, how do I make money? He goes, well, you got to get more chapters. How many chapters you need? I go, I don't know. So we figured it was 32 chapters. I needed 32 chapters based on my expenses at the time that if I got to based on my commission, I would make money. And so I got the 32 chapters. And as I was getting the 32 chapters, it started becoming overwhelming. I couldn't do it by myself and one of my mentors said you should get ambassadors i'm like what are ambassadors these are people who love bni getting results from bni want to give back because they believe in givers gain and give them an opportunity to help you manage it all and i ended up that year creating one of the most best ambassador programs in the country out of default just because i needed to be able to manage the region upwards to 65 chapters eventually and be able to develop and manage volunteers is not easy. And so, so finding the volunteers, giving them value, and then helping it be a win-win for everybody was, was what, one of my biggest challenges. And I was able to get past that.
0: I like that. We interviewed Steve Sims, and he's the author of How to Get Things Done. And he is very much about that win-win deal of like, if you come to someone and you're like, hey, you're going to get notoriety, you're going to get all these sort of things as being an ambassador and really framing it so that it's it's something that they're going to win by doing like you've, you've, it's a, it's a lot easier sell.
2: <laughs> yeah I, I don't know if this adds to this but when i used to have ambassador meetings so i would have my ambassadors meet once a month right to talk about their chapters etc and it was 2 hours long the first hour we would talk about the bni region and how to manage it and then the second hour we would talk about their business and making money from bni and it was a horrible Horrible success. I did not do very well. And so I realized really quickly I needed to reverse it. So the first hour was about how do they make money as ambassadors? How do they get the most out of their membership? And then the second hour was about how to manage their territory. Before I could even switch the agenda, they switched on me because I believe I helped them first and then in turn they wanted to help me second.
0: Yeah. How do you think that that can relate to employees and working with people. I mean, maybe that you're paying them as well.
2: Yeah, I think one of the things you could do that, you know, going back to the five drivers is we suggest all our clients to have monthly mentoring meetings with their teams. If you want to save time, you want them to be more effective, meeting with them and and working on their drivers makes a big difference. And so these meetings are led by the employee, the team member, and you're there just to be a resource to them. Number one, what happens, they feel valued that you're taking time for them. Number two, you're not dictating to them what they need to be doing, they're sharing with you what they need to help with and or challenges and i find that a lot of times they don't have a purpose and passion and so they're not going to perform as well as you would like you don't tie their dreams and aspirations for their personal life into their business life and so it's really just a job and if you're looking at the bigger picture you tie those two their purpose and passion their dreams and aspirations tied into the company you'll you'll have exponential results from that
1: i like that a lot we've kind of tried to implement something similar uh, financial goal-setting book club for our employees and we're reading the go giver this month, but previously we've read set for life, millionaire real estate investor and the simple path to wealth. And, you know, and and the whole purpose of the book club is for them to attain financial freedom, you know, so that they don't have to work for us. And it's had mixed success (laughs) But we're going to make a couple tweaks. I love the idea of having, you know, like a one on one meeting, maybe at the halfway point of when we read the book, be like, how's the book coming? And, you know, and then what are you know, what are some of the goals that you want to work on? And how can I help? So
2: well, you, it reminds me of two people I was talking to. Some One of my coaches is Credit Christy. Credit Christy realized how powerful credit can be and that most people don't know how it works. And then the second side of it, how, how to save money, how to make money, how to, you know, grow your money. And when interviewing people, they don't know how to balance a checkbook. They don't know how credit works. They don't know how interest works. And she's finding that by giving them a menu of item options to learn from, then they can see their success. On the flip side, we have a property management client here who their employees want to invest in real estate. And we found from them, what are the topics they want to cover? And so often we tell them what topics they want. We would say, here's the five top topics to building wealth. Which one do you want to learn first? Which one do you want to learn second? And let them sort of pretend they're choosing, but you're giving them those options.
1: <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So, AJ and I just hired a new operations manager for our property management company, and we're very excited. And it's like going to really affect our corporate structure because, like, we're going to have somebody else other than us in charge of our teams it's it's a little scary but it's all based on the idea that you know we hope that we can build this business that will run itself even if we you know take a little bit of time off obviously we can't leave it forever and expect it to keep continuing to make money do you have any experience shares on like trying to implement that that person at the top
2: Yes. Several approaches. What we call it getting your number two to think like number one. So often you know business because you built it from the ground up. They don't necessarily know business. And there's several tools that I recommend. One is to read EMyth. EMyth is a, you know, emyth there are three books that I recommend every number two, every operations person read. It's it's e-myth to build the cell, and then the third book is Small Giants by Bo Burlingham. And what I love about small Giants, it's Jim Collins who wrote Good to Great. He's quoted as saying that Good to Great is for Big Business as Small Giants is for Small Businesses. And what I love about Small Giants, it talks about six companies who chose to be great versus huge and the six different approaches to doing that. I only knew one way to build a business the way I was taught, right? But then reading Small Giants, I found six different ways to build a business. And then I get to choose if I like number one, two, three, four, or, five, or a little bit of two, a little bit of one. And so I think giving them the tools mentally to know what you know, and those are the three books. I'm reading right now, since you talked about traction, get a grip. And I'm in chapter two, and it's mind-blowing, right? Chapter one talks about the visionary. Chapter two talks about the integrator. I can only imagine where that's going to take us. So, again, I haven't read the whole book. I'm only on chapter two because it's just so amazing.
1: Imagine what it's like running a company with two visionaries.
2: (laughs) yep that was in chapter one i was reading i mean oh this has been what was wrong with me this whole time oh my god (laughs) like i mean i was so overwhelmed how accurate it was and i've always known i need number two but this just made the value that that that's going to be done by this year as that we're definitely bringing that number two in no later than this year
1: awesome so jim what what are you working on right now what's what's exciting in your life what are you focused on
2: Right now, we're working with the real estate industry. As you know, I've been working with the property management industry for for six years now, real estate for 20 years, and we've had very huge success with contractors, plumbers, painters, HVAC over the years because they struggle, like I said earlier in the episode, from bringing a business to getting the work done and getting the work done from bringing a business. And I think most business owners think one or the other, and the secret to success is to be able to manage them both at the same time. And I'm sort of trying to build a network for that network of people who need a plumber painter and contractor and say, Hey Jim, do you recommend a painter, plumber, HVAC personality? Yes, I've coached them and they can handle your volume because you know in the property management industry, it's hard to have a deep bench to refer. And then you have the contractors who can't handle anymore and say, stop. And the best are already booked and they're very expensive. And so someone said, you should just build a Angie's list of contractors, but it's Jim Roman's list of contractors that can handle the volume. And so that's the latest thing that I'm super excited with my B&I background and my contractor and real estate background. I'm thinking... Maybe i will on mom something and maybe I don't say this publicly, but that's, what's exciting for me this year.
1: That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Send us the list. <laughs> 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 that's really cool. Like as a property manager, I can totally, you know, like we have that problem, you know, we need good contractors. And I've recently been spending a ton of time with our maintenance team. It's like, we need to be recruiting new vendors every week And training and like, and and we have to train those vendors and we have to give them our expectations of, you know, this is the level of quality and and the level of service that our tenants expect from us. And it's, it is so hard to provide, you know, to have that consistent level of service when vendors are so far booked out. I, I mean, honestly, there's a shortage of labor when it comes to technicians and, plumbers and electricians and i don't see the problem going anywhere so i think you're on to something thanks (laughs) awesome well should we get to our
0: last four questions
2: let's do it
0: you ready all right ready
2: (laughs) <laughs> all
0: right, all right, here we go. First question is what's one piece of advice you would give to your 25 year old self:
2: I would tell myself at 25, do not be afraid to sell." In fact, look at selling as serving, and I would say, read the book how I raised myself from failure to success in selling. I was in 1993, which was you know 25 years old when I was 25, I was afraid to sell. in fact, because I didn't sell, I went broke and bankrupt. And I had to get a mentor, I had to get back on my feet back in 1996, and I said to myself, I'm going to become the best salesperson that I can, and now I don't look at selling as selling, I look at selling as serving. So that's what I would have told my 25-year-old self.
1: I like that. Selling, selling is serving. serving. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it really goes with the go-giver. All right. So what was your first entrepreneurial endeavor?
2: Again, that was 1993. So it was interesting, the the same time frame. So I was raised in the restaurant business. Other than the Air Force, which I was in for four and a half years, I've been around business my whole life. And so in 1993, one of my customers at the restaurant came and said, hey, Jim, you ever thought about starting your own business? I was like, well, I've actually been thinking about that. I work 80 hours a week. I don't have any time off. I'm the only one who's not gotten a raise. I'm actually thinking about that. So he got me into network marketing, a company called Quorum that had personal protection devices. And I never sold. I never sold a single one of them. I went broken, bankrupt, went homeless for a short period of time because I was afraid of selling. And so that was my first, and first failure of life and was very impactful. It made a big difference in my life.
1: That's intense.
0: Yeah. All right, next question. How has your formal and informal training shaped your journey?
2: Well, I have a degree in the School of Hard Knocks. I think a lot of us do as business owners. The only formal of education I really had other than high school and the Air Force is really just personal experience. And a lot of my experience comes from reading the books that I read. I talk to people like you and say, hey, I'm having this challenge. What book do you read? I remember just last year, I was talking to one of my mentors and I said, you know, in our monthly mentoring meetings we're trying to get people to perform, you recommend any books. And he said, leadership meets the one minute manager by Ken Blanchard. I was like, what's that book about? It's about, you have four types of employees, those who are super motivated, but need a lot of direction, they're called new people. Those people have been there a little bit longer than new, need less direction. The people who've been there for a longer time, don't need any direction, just need to be, you know, making sure they're doing well. And then the fourth type are just performers, but you got to pat them on the back. And so by going to conferences at BNI and NARPUM and learning from other business experts and people who've been there, done that, I love people with real live experience is where I get most of my education.
1: So the book was Leadership Meets the One Minute Manager?
2: Yep. Leadership Meets the One Minute Manager by Ken Blanchard. There we
1: go. Okay. And our final question, we'll give this. I like to broaden it out, kind of based on our guest. So, what was the one opportunity that got away? Your Moby Dick of either business or life, or you know, just anything that you were interested in.
2: So I have two answers to that, right? The first answer, like in the real estate, was I was trying to close this realtor firm. This company was very successful. We two hundred transactions a year. And he wanted to go to the next level and he was looking at coaching. And so I sat down with them, asked them all the, you know, inquisitive questions you have. And then I left. And I'm driving back to my office and I realized I never asked him why he wanted to go to the next level. Like he wanted to get X amount of revenue, you know, millions of dollars in revenue. So I emailed him back and said, hey, Austin, I forgot to ask you, why do you want to go to this revenue level? And he goes, are you trying to figure out my goals and aspirations? I'm like, yes. He goes, well, too bad. (laughs) I was like, what? Sometimes, you know, you're trying to help somebody, but if you don't know the reason why they want to hit $10 million in real estate or 20 properties under their belt or to a million or more in revenue is sometimes not finding out the real why behind that goal or objectives, you miss an opportunity to really truly help them. So now today I want to ask people, why are we doing this? If everything was equal, why? And saves marriages, saves their life, saves their community. And it's more about the money for me. And so that's the one that got away that I won't freak out.
1: Yeah, but you said you had two.
2: I did. I don't know why I'm saying this, but you brought it up. And I had some coaches, <laughs> I was in transition in my life and I was trying to figure out what my next steps were. So I had a bunch of coaches do some assessments of me and they asked me, ultimately they figured out my dream job was doing BNI. Like I realized that B&I, I had sold my franchise. So I had two franchises, successful franchise. I sold 12 years ago to focus in on this business full-time 100%. And I realized that I really loved BNI, the membership model. It was my purpose on the planet. I felt led to do it. I was really good at it. But because I wanted to focus on this business, I sold that business. And so I think that's sort of really I like working with associations, membership-based organizations, organizations that have chapters, that I can help you maximize your membership, make money to have that life that I want so many people to have, that my father never got a chance to past age 63. I know that I'm doing my purpose on the passion. So that's the one that got away. I try to get more involved in that. I've recently rejoined a chapter here in Florida. And I'm looking to just keep on giving back because I'm, I'm really good at helping people think differently about their networks.
1: That's Great. really cool. So Jim, how can our listeners get a hold of you and, you know, learn more about what you do?
2: You can find me online at Jim Roman Online. My website is JimRomanOnline.com. All my social media is Facebook forward slash Jim Roman Online. You can find me there. Reach out to me with questions, comments, you know, clarity, anything I shared about today. You can reach out to that way.
1: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Tons of good information. Like I myself learned a ton. So really appreciate it. Yeah, thank, thank you. you for having me. Yeah. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate it.
2: Thank you guys for doing this. I think that, you know, what you guys do is huge. I've listened to a lot of your podcasts. What you're doing for the industry makes a big difference. in what's coming down the pipeline, this kind of value is huge to keep people going forward and providing for their families and their communities. So I want to thank you for the honor to be on your show today and everything that you guys are doing for this community. Well, thank you. Appreciate cool.
1: it. Yeah. Thank you very much.
2: You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Professionals Investing Podcast on WIN, your community for investing knowledge for growth. Please take a second to rate us so that we can get more great investors to interview. If you or someone you know wants to be on, please go to westsideinvestors.com and fill out our form.